0: Welcome to the Michael Savage podcast. This is Black History Month, as you well know, and President Biden has already made news by stating that he is planning on nominating someone to the Supreme Court based solely on their race and gender, not necessarily the best candidate. Now, how can you judge equality if not all nominees are judged equally? We all know this is Animal Farm. Well, joining us today is Dr. Marilyn Singleton, a board-certified anesthesiologist who also attended UC Berkeley Law School while still working in the operating room, MD, JD. She's amazing. Dr. Singleton has an article that she has published entitled, It's Black History Month, Let's Get Real, where she talks about this nomination and other race-related issues from her perspective as an African-American doctor and lawyer who did it the right way, the hard way. She's great. We've had her on the show before. You should share this podcast with as many people as have a brain left in the country. Dr.
2: Singleton, are you ready for surgery? Uh, Verbal surgery, I hope. (laughs) How are you?
0: So nice to see you again.
2: Good to see you. I feel like this is same time next year.
0: God, it's been a year. It hasn't been. It can't be. It's been a year.
2: I don't maybe so, but I think. Black history brings all this stuff out, doesn't
0: it? I saw your article. It's Black History Month. Let's get real. And of course, I know the name Marilyn M. Singleton, MDJD, because you've been on the Michael Savage podcast before, and it was extremely well received. And I was curious what you had to say. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. But let me tell you from a so-called white person's point of view, I don't define myself as a white person, but I guess for the sake of this discussion, I'm a white person. So, Even though I'm of Jewish heritage, I don't define myself as a Jewish person. I consider myself a person. I I never walk around saying I'm an American or I'm a Jew or I'm a this or that. It's like how I relate to things is my mind, how I think. Okay, so I watch a lot of television to relax. I love movies and such. Every cable channel has almost 98 percent. African-Americans as the actors now. You say, well, what's wrong with that? People say, give them a chance. I said, that's not the point. How can every subject be wrapped around race ever since George Floyd was mercilessly choked to death by that psycho cop, which when I watched it, I don't want to dwell on it. It was a horrible thing. It was watching a slow motion um, homicide. The cop was a psychopath the guy was begging for his mother. He couldn't breathe. I saw it and I, I, I was watching murder. I said so. Oh, the cop's been given a life sentence. It's over with. No, it only just began. And ever since that day, I believe, and I'm going to ask you what you think, the entire society has been turned upside down in bending over backwards to create a reality that isn't real. So every ad is unreal. Well, from the beginning with what's ads, I'm not looking to ads to give me reality. But you say things in your article that that resonated with me. You said, as covid fear was waning unnerved by the thought that we might regain our happy lives, the government media complex. I remember that line. <laughs> I think you got that from me. 1998. <laughs> Beware the government media complex. And I am so honored that a person <laughs> of your stature even heard it <laughs> blared that our society is systemically infected with racism. And white people must repent. So it says the deafening drumbeat of race, racism and more race is leaving its mark. New York City using race as a criterion allocating COVID-19 treatments. Biden is probably the worst cheerleader for this insanity, isn't he? It got even worse the other day. I think he, he got he hit a new low.
2: Oh, with the crack pipes. Yeah. What are they oh. crazy? I never heard of any such thing.
0: You're a doctor. <sighs> Why would you give a diabetic sugary candy?
2: Well, you a want to drink. make it easier for him. Come on.
0: So their theory is if you give them a crack pipe, you're going to reduce crime.
2: Well, then they won't have to pass the dirty pipe back and forth between one another. <laughs> OK, that's what they, that's one of the justifications. It's the dumbest thing I have ever heard.
0: You say Biden is undermining legitimacy of the Supreme Court by pledging the fill of vacancy, not the best person, but a black female. And you write the issue is not that black female bright legal scholars do not exist, but that the only stated criteria were gender and skin color. Again, a violation of our civil rights, a violation of our constitutional rights, a violation of human decency and new indignity. And yet it goes without saying the media falls in line.
2: The thing that's the worst about it, it's demeaning to all the smart black women out there.
0: So I've heard.
2: I don't care how smart they are, what they do. Everyone will think they're some dumb schmuck that just got picked because Biden wanted a black female.
0: Yes. Well, I remember Bush had Condoleezza Rice, Who, whether I like her politics or not, to me, as a first class human being, human being. I don't particularly care for left leftward slant, but she's a very skilled person in so many areas. Wouldn't you agree?
2: Absolutely. And I don't think too many people got the feeling that she was picked because she was black. I, I never felt that. No, because she was so smart and had the background, had been around her area for years. She had some something behind her, her name. And she was talented. She was a pianist. You know, she was sort of a Renaissance woman. I remember so it would be kind of hard to argue that she was just scooped up from obscurity to fill <laughs> this position.
0: Well, it's like going back to the ads. They're not selecting African-Americans based on their qualifications, even as actors. They're just <laughs> saying, send me as many black people as you can. We need them in our ads. Please, we don't we don't want to be accused of racism while we're selling a Hershey bar. (laughs) They're liable to boycott the M and
2: Ms. Well, I don't know. That's pretty racist because those are chocolate things. I'm sorry, you have to have a black person advertise chocolate.
0: Doctor Singleton, I was not thinking of color when I said chocolate. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm I brought up a metaphor. I I apologize. (laughs) All of me, he, him, and her apologize. All right. You know, I ordered a group, a a bunch of books today for my granddaughter. Classic. In the English literature, like a set of 15 leather bound classics, Shakespeare, Chaucer, I know it's beyond her right now, but it and and I wrote to the company saying it says I get 15 of these 18 books. So I said, I need to eliminate some of them. I don't want her to get the horror books. And I got a letter back from the company immediately, a very polite letter, but it was signed her It was she, her, something or other on the letterhead. I said, I didn't ask for all this information about the person's sexual orientation, but I swear I've got to find this to you. Return Canterbury classic classic sign. I won't read the name. She, her, hers, customer success lead.
2: Oh, my
0: goodness. Why do I need to know what her orientation is or isn't?
2: But this has become standard. Um, My son's wife is in H.R., and she says at the beginning of these meetings, you have to say your name and then your pronouns.
0: I said, eliminate number three, classic tales of sci-fi. Number eight, Grimm's fairy tales. And number nine, which was Leaves of Grass by Walt Whitman. And I said, pl- please include Les Miserables, Jack London and H.E. Wells. And so oh, she, some, she says, thank you very much. Your order is received. And it's from she, her, her. She, her, hers customer success lead. Again, it's wow. standard, it's on the letterhead.
2: That's unbelievable. Well, that's like now when studies, oh, I'd say over the last about four months that I've read coming out, this will make you somewhat ill.
0: No, please.
2: <laughs>
0: I'm not sleeping well as it is. Yes.
2: <laughs> that uh, in a medical journal, they are describing pregnant women as birthing persons nice there was a study about premature birth and they said we studied 365 birthing persons and that's it makes you not even want to go farther with the study because you you know there's an agenda
0: we need to take a quick break we'll be right back on the michael savage podcast
1: michael savage A host like no other.
0: We're back with Dr. Marilyn Singleton. Do you remember Brave New World? They were talking about um, viviparous reproduction as a separate because it was considered disgusting in the Brave New World that Huxley wrote in the 30s. Viviparous reproduction was considered kind of yucky Mm -hmm. because it was not clean and done in a laboratory.
2: That's where we're going.
0: Oh, my God. Are we ever going? And look who's dragging us there. The people who least understand what they're doing.
2: That's right. The most
0: ignorant, the most ignorant.
2: Well, there is a, you know, speaking of all these pronouns, there's a very interesting theory about all that. And uh, the pronouns, the racism, that they're all linked together. Because after you have told white people that they're lower than a worm's belly, And you're telling that to children who don't know any better. Then they tell them you have to become marginalized in some way in order to be accepted. So being gender different makes you it's okay because you're not a cis male. And these kids are gravitating toward that with it's, it's almost being implanted. And you know how kids are. They'll believe anything.
0: They're sponges. They're sponges. Yeah.
2: And uh, that's what I find so destructive about this.
0: So they They are converting children. children. Look, all children are asexual before a certain age. They don't know what their sexuality is. That's my opinion. And they can be easily molded one way or the other. Because you take a little boy, four or five years old. He doesn't have an idea of what his sex is. So you tell him he could be a girl. OK, I'm a girl. What is that thing hanging down between my leg? Well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't define you. So every society on Earth and I spent years in so-called primitive societies before they were uh, uh, when they were still colonies, meaning they were still traditional societies, Fiji, Tonga, Samoa, the Marquesas, they know what a boy was and a girl was. They certainly did not discriminate, by the way, against trans people. I've, I've been very careful to tell people that they don't understand this. You take Tonga, for example. I was there in 1969. They were they were considered or in Hawaii mahus, which was big men who were gay or women. They were not picked on. They were not beaten up. They were not marginalized. They, were, they understood in that society. That's how they were. Mm-hmm. And in fact, they had a special place in those societies but they didn't put them on a pedestal and then draw the whole society in that direction.
2: Right. It is what it is. And people are who they are. And, um, Amen. you know, it, it reminds me of the Oscar Wilde saying, just be yourself. Everybody else is already taken. And th- <laughs> that's how we have to look at it. I love and- it. That's how people have to be. And all this focus, like you say, since when were you watching movies to where suddenly you noticed how many Black people were in the movies? Obviously, there's going to be some movie about racial strife or whatever. And then, of course, you're supposed to notice it's a Black person. But I had always given my hats off to George Lucas in the first Star Wars movie when Billy D. Williams played, what was his name, Lando Calrissian, and he was a junk dealer on whatever planet it was. And it was one of the first times in a movie where you saw a black guy, a handsome one at that, who was just a guy. He wasn't being racially discriminated against. He wasn't a lawyer for power to the people. He wasn't anything. He was a junk dealer on a planet. And it was wonderful, and it kind of introduced this whole new world that black people can just be people, that they don't have to be a symbol. And, and now it's back to how it was in the old days, and it's, it, it, it makes me sad. It's more than disgusting. It's sad.
0: Well, your article is entitled, I want to go back to the article, It's Black History Month, Let's Get Real. And then you talk about California's year old first of its kind reparations task force has determined that reparations should be limited to descendants of slaves who were, quote, kidnapped from their homeland, unquote, black immigrants excluded because they have a country to which they can return if they're unhappy with the racist United States. And then you write missing the irony, California's black female slave descendant secretary of state posited that Barack Obama had the gumption to run for president only because he was not a descendant of slaves. Thus, he was not these many, many generations later, stunted by the psychological impact of slavery that left slaves with only enough energy to merely survive. You then write, moreover, Obama did not have limitations drilled into his psyche. And you ask, who is doing the drilling today? California elected officials, television shows with black stars, teachers, homeboys in the hood, absentee parents. Wow, you're right. So black people can't aspire to greatness if they had a slave as an ancestor? Talk about the bigotry of low expectations.
2: I was stunned when I read that. And it was it was almost amusing to think this woman in a high elected office. So not only black, but a black female. And she's in this high elected office and says, oh, no, but anyone who's a descendant of slaves can't aspire to greatness. And it's. This is what's hurting the kids. This is what and not kids, just adults. How can you have any self-confidence if you have somebody who's an elected official telling you you're low, you're no good, you're inferior? And this is what's so appalling to have black people telling other black people how inferior they are. We're not inferior.
0: You're right. Show me the excuse for the success of slave descendant entrepreneur and philanthropist, Madam C.J. Walker, considered the first female millionaire in the United States in 1910. And James Durham, who this I love this one, who went from slave to physician and treated patients of all colors in Louisiana in the seventeen hundreds. Then you tip it top it off by saying Mr. Anti-racism itself, Henry Rogers, a.k.a. Ibrahim X. Kendi, may have bamboozled corporate America into spreading the toxic instruction to find racism in every action and thought in every minute of one's waking hours. Disturbingly, the American Medical Association as part of its health equity plan aims to, quote, excise the myth of meritocracy. Now, I've got to pause right there. This is what worries me the most. At first, it was comedic and absurd. But if I'm going into surgery, I want meritocracy in the surgeon. I don't want someone put there for the color of her or his skin. Same with an airline pilot. How the hell are they going to fly an airplane if you eliminate meritocracy? Tell me how it's how can we get guys to fly? How is anyone going to fly a plane onto an aircraft carrier and fight the Chinese? If they were given their wings simply because their sexual orientation or their color or something else, rather than their ability to land and take off on an aircraft carrier in training numerous enough times that, you know, they're not going to crash the plane and blow the ship up. How is this going to happen?
2: Well, the sad thing is, and hopefully they won't carry it to the extreme, but already it seems to be that they want licensing tests to be pass, fail, and people to be accepted to school without uh, the so-called MCAT exam, kind of like the SATs for medical school, and uh, just on an interview to show you're a good person and all this. But like you said, people want someone to be competent. You don't have to be Dr. Denton Cooley and, and the most famous surgeon in the world. But you look at somebody like Ben Carson. Who clearly was a competent fellow. He was a pediatric, he was wasn't he a surgery. pediatric surgeon? He, pediatric neurosurgeon.
0: Neurosurgeon. And he
2: did, uh, we kind of crossed paths at Hopkins way back when. But they and, ripped him
0: apart. They turned him into some step and fetch it stooge.
2: But this is what happens that it won't matter at some point how smart or how talented you really are. The perception is that. You were just just taken in because of, uh, you know, these new uh, policies. You mean and I'll in the new tell politics?
0: You, but, everyone will assume even a brilliant man like him or like you was made a surgeon because of your skin color. That's what's what well,
2: the thing that's interesting is I actually had students. I went to law school later in life and I had young students come up to me and say, thank goodness. You're old enough that you went to school before affirmative action so people can know you're smart. I mean, I had students say that to me and these young kids and I just tell them, believe me, I've been in class with you and I know you're smart, but they'll say, you know, but people look at me and think I'm an affirmative action baby to coin a term by Stephen Carter that and what a thing. To be a 21-year-old adult in professional school, in a good professional school, but never deep down inside thinking they're good enough.
1: Oh, my God. We'll be right back. The Savage Nation. It's Savage on
0: Demand. We're speaking with Dr. Marilyn Singleton on the Michael Savage podcast. I know where this is coming from because I've studied Mao's revolution in China. This is Maoism. Where after the People's Revolution, so called, when he slaughtered 30 million or more people, and he turned society upside down in the vision of Marxism, which was Maoism under him, which was even a more brutal form of Marxism, they took the surgeons, I'll never forget reading about this, out of the surgical wards in the hospitals in China, and they said, You're a counter revolutionary. And they put the surgeons in the laundry of the hospital to clean sheets and dirty things. And they took, peasants from this, from the, from the fields who were in the hospitals, in the laundry. And they said, sister, comrade, you are a doctor now. And they made them the doctors. Mm -hmm. That's what Mao Tse Tung did in that society. And Dr. Singleton, that's the genesis of what I see. This is not all innocent. There's some like minds behind all of this turmoil. You write in your article. A medical school group called White Coats for Black Lives is making the rounds of medical schools, and its stated goals are one to, quote, dismantle dominant exploitive systems in the United States, which are largely reliant on anti-black racism, colonialism, cis hetero patriarchy, white supremacy and capitalism, unquote, and two, to rebuild a healthy future for marginalized communities By abolishing prisons, establishing federal universal health care, ensuring reproductive and environmental justice and, quote, queer and trans liberation. The people driving this are mentally ill, in my opinion, queer and trans people. They are the most violent, insane people in this whole movement, as I see it. Now, they want to throw me off the podcast for saying it. These are mentally ill, aggressive psychopaths driving this whole movement. I'm not even asking for your comment because I respect your professionalism. Don't say a word, please take my wife, please, said Henny Young.
2: Well, part of the problem that I see from a movement like this, and this is not a marginal movement, it's in schools like UC (laughs) Davis, Stanford, Michigan, North Carolina, 70 major medical schools. And there aren't that many total medical schools in the country. And they're having the marches and it's for social justice. And I think some of these people who are involved have been sucked in. They do not see the Marxist policies behind this. And again, since we don't have the huge class struggle like Marx had, you've got to find other marginalized people. Ah you know, and put them out there. That's why all this focus on trans, trans schmans. you know, there have been trans people for years, all the way back with Christine Jorgensen. And it was I big remember. news. And then, you know, it just sort of happened. and People were just sort of people. And guess what? Most people don't pay a bit of attention and they certainly don't pay any attention to gay people anymore. Everybody knows somebody who's gay. And most gay people don't advertise and walk around like, oh, I'm gay. They just they just are.
0: I remember the 50s. If men were gay, they were very sissified. They would do a woman monkey, you know, oh, darling, that kind of thing. (laughs) That's how a person defined themselves as gay. And then that ended after the gay liberation was around for 30 years. The man was gay. They never made a point. of. fairy like behavior is over.
2: Right, right. And they're just regular people in society and do everything else that everybody else does. And suddenly pointing the finger and somehow putting this whole queer thing, which I find odd to even <laughs> use the word queer, because that was, that, was a that, was a, a that was a put down
0: when I was a kid.
2: Term. Yeah, that was a, yeah. And suddenly, you know, it's hip and all that. And uh, so that's something over on this edge of trying to pull in, the racism to that movement. And it's like the BLM people. Oh. That's one of the top things that was in their manifesto on the website before they kind of
0: told well, it down
2: was queer stuff.
0: Dr. Dr. Singleton, they're being exposed for the criminals that they are. But BLM yes. was founded by two, I must say, very militant lesbian black women who have bulldozed, bullied their way to the top ripping off 80, 100 million dollars. And now they're being investigated. Some are quitting and running away because they know the jail is coming. This can't go on much longer. This is like Al Capone and drag. You know, that's what this has come down to. So you say many of us want to improve health care for those who have poor access, black, white and otherwise. But let's not sacrifice quality care for individual patients for broad political movement. Here's what I like when you write after two years of manufactured fear and negativity and learned helplessness, courtesy of loudmouth ideologues fomenting unrest. We need a dose of reality. White people are not stamped with the mark of the devil. Every friendly gesture is not a feeble attempt at reparations. It's just a fellow human being cheerful. Plenty of black and other persons of color have intelligence, strength and ingenuity. We are able to do more than merely survive. As Ezra Pound said, a slave is one who waits for someone to come and free him. Don't wait for yourselves. You're right. When I remember and I used to quote this all the time in the radio days, I think it was Orwell who wrote those who scream the loudest about. um," He said, I can hear their chains rattling. Mm -hmm. I can Mm -hmm. hear their chains rattling. I forget the context. Mm -hmm. Those who scream all the time about freedom, freedom, freedom. I want freedom. He said, I can hear their chains rattling, those pushing that leftist, uh, you know, tripe. Well, now, I've, re- know- I've read the history of communist China by women who survived the horrors of it. White Swan is a book I keep on my bookshelf.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: It's like 500 pages of the actual horrors of what went on down to the smallest detail of coming into your house and looking at the artifacts or antiques mm-hmm. or what you had in your house. And if they found anything that looked counter-revolutionary, they would either destroy it or have you arrested. So I collect antiques, Dr. Singleton, and two of the things I bought were smuggled out of China. I don't know when, but they're wooden food dogs. Everyone has seen the horror Mm. of food dogs. that used to be Mm -hmm. on the corners of the houses in China to scare off evil spirits. So these food dogs were considered counter-revolutionary bourgeois by the Maoists, and so the people hid them in in, in jars in the ground Mm. and smuggled them out of China and then sold them on the antiques market, if you can believe this that that's how insane the communists became on the Mount, that they saw anti-communism in food dogs on the corners of your house. You know, they're killed- becoming that
2: way now. How? I mean, look with the cancel culture and look at what they did to Dave Chappelle when <laughs> he gave that um, his last Netflix thing and part of his his dialogue or monologue was talking about trans people. Suddenly they said he was a hater. And here it turns out his dear friend was a trans person. You know, it's like people can't say anything. People can't have an open discussion with anybody. They're afraid that they're going to say the wrong word. When most people they're just talking, they're just being themselves. And guess what? Everybody isn't a racist. And this is what is so disturbing to me to tell people that just because of the color of their skin, they're a racist. What about the white people that helped on the Underground Railroad and then on the other side telling black people basically that they're morons and weak? Well, what about the black people? who risked their lives and escaped. And you look at, you know, a real real idol of mine, Frederick Douglass. Look what he did. Look at all the things and the ingenious things some of the slaves came up with to get out of their bad situation. So what they're doing now is a disservice to that memory of people who use their smarts And the worst of circumstances, couldn't read, couldn't write. And yet, look what they did. They escaped, and they became something. They did something with their lives and continued to do something. I grew up with a book written by Langston Hughes, and I don't remember the other author. It was called A Pictorial History of the Negro in America. The book opens where he says, Negroes in America can do anything that anyone else can do. They're doctors, lawyers, teachers, scientists, engineers. This is the opening of the book. You wouldn't think that we were in the same country to read what they open books with now. Oh, Black people, they're so dumb, they're so bad, they're so weak, we need the government to make them better people. it's, It's a whole different world. And it's stunning what year did you
0: enter medical school dr singleton
2: do i have to tell no. just tell me i don't look a day over hmm. i went to medical school in 1969
0: okay but that was that was at the peak of uh, another cultural revolution one of the phases
2: that's right
0: and i remember that i knew through a friend the children of a black surgeon somewhere in, in the neighborhood he was a wealthy, established black surgeon and they they got into medical school using affirmative action. They laughed about it. They said, well, we'll take any advantage we can get. They didn't need it, but it pushed them up into better, better schools. You know, their grades were less than mm-hmm. B plus. So they with the B plus and the race card, they became a plus. Sort of. right. They laughed about it. They said, well, we know it's wrong, but we'll use it to get where we want to go all well and good up to a point till you get there on your on the operating table and someone needs to put a catheter into your artery, which I had to have a couple of years ago. I mean, it was an Hispanic young man. I didn't care. He was a Harvard cum laude. I found that afterwards. I didn't know who he was. I was on fentanyl being wheeled into the room. I felt nothing. It actually was a nice moment for me. All I saw were the lights as they wheeled me in after the heart attack. But it turns out this kid, who looked like an ordinary like, kid, looked like a kid to me was summa cum laude out of Harvard Medical School. I'm glad he was very capable. But what if he wasn't? What if they pushed him into Harvard Medical School because of his race? What if they had done that? And as he was pushing that stent through my from my wrist all the way through my body, all the way into my wherever. My thank God it wasn't the Widowmaker. But it was a miracle. You know, my poor dad didn't have these options when he had a heart attack in the 50s. They sent them home and said, don't use salt and put him in an oxygen tent. If you lived, you lived. That was about it. They knew nothing about diet, nothing about anything other than, you know, maybe give up cigarettes or something. After in the 1930s, doctors said they smoke uh, camels for their health or whatever the ads were. Remember those ads in the 30s? <laughs> yeah, yes. I smoke. They showed doctors in white coats, I smoke camels for my health or something. I don't know if it was cam- <laughs> Chesterfield. So we've come a long way, baby, haven't we, in medicine? Now we're going to suddenly go backwards and have wonderful surgeons put there and pushed out
1: of the jobs because they're not the right race. The Savage Nation, it's savage, uncut, unfiltered and raw.
0: You've just heard part one of this interview with Dr. Marilyn Singleton. And now I want to replay a piece from March of last year that relates to this interview specifically, where I talked about critical race theory and how it will lead us down a path to communism, socialism, or worse. I know many have now attacked CRT, and that is good. But you've got to understand, you heard it first right here on the Michael Savage Podcast. Let me begin with something that hits very close to people with children in school, especially people who are of the Caucasian race, who are being picked on who are being shamed, who are being basically driven to suicide. Children will commit suicide unless these bastards are stopped. Mother sues school after her biracial son refused to confess his white dominance. The psychopaths who have taken over the school systems are targeting white children, and they're destroying their minds and their self-respect. If it was my kid, I'd do whatever's necessary, but I would not let my child be subjected to this trash, rubbish, racist, garbage called critical race theory. There is no such thing as critical race theory. It was created by a psychopath who hates white people. This came in the post-millennial. A Las Vegas mother sued her biracial son's high school after he failed a critical race theory class for refusing to confess his white dominance. As a result of the failing grade, her son may not get the chance to graduate. The school is called Democracy Preparatory Academy in Las Vegas, Nevada. And they forced Gabriel Clark's son, William, to take a mandatory course entitled Sociology of Change. Are you listening? The boy, William, refused to label himself as privileged and an oppressor because he is mixed race. The website states this. Quote, in the class, William, along with all the students, was asked to publicly reveal his race, gender, religious, and sexual identities. Are you listening to this? This is child abuse. And then attached derogatory labels to those identities. Students were then asked to, quote, undo and unlearn their beliefs, attitudes, and behaviors that stem from oppression, unquote. Are you listening to this? William was understandably reluctant to label himself as privileged or an oppressor. The profile goes on to say... Adding this, while William is the only student in the class who appears to be white, he has light skin and green eyes, he is in fact mixed race. His mother, Gabriel, filed a lawsuit against the so-called high school after they allegedly threatened to keep her son from graduating. According to the lawsuit, the parents are seeking monetary damages, including compensatory and punitive damages for the damage done to William Clark's future academic and professional prospects, and for the defendant's deliberate and protracted harassment, emotional
4: abuse and violation
0: of plaintiffs constitutional rights.
4: I was mostly outraged that um, this was being taught at all, but principally that they were asking my son to reveal identities that are protected. You can't do that at a job. You shouldn't be able to do it at a school. It's, it, it, so, it put a target on my son's back. If somebody didn't like what he had to say, then that would have put him in danger. And I think that that was, that was a, a grievous wrong. He was asked to answer the questions and then the teacher would then scrutinize and, and label whether or not his particular identities were under the category of oppressor or privileged or um, oppressed. They didn't just violate my son's uh, civil rights, they violated all the children's civil rights by asking those questions.
0: I suggest that if you're listening to this podcast and your children are being subjected to this kind of child abuse and racism, you get a copy of that lawsuit and you sue your school, this has to stop. This is all going on because Biden has become the bully in chief And they feel they can get away with any kind of racism against whites. So you could laugh at this and say it doesn't really affect you because it's just somebody else's child. You can put your head in the sand if you want. But I'm warning you, I see the truth and I don't wait.
1: Home of Borders. Language. Culture. The Savage Nation.
3: We embrace the vision of Martin Luther King where children are not judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. The left is attempting to destroy that beautiful vision and divide Americans by race in the service of political power. By viewing every issue through the lens of race, they want to impose a new segregation, and we must not allow that to happen. Critical race theory, The 1619 Project and the crusade against American history is toxic propaganda, ideological poison that if not removed will dissolve, the civic bonds that tie us together will destroy our country. That is why I recently banned trainings in this prejudiced ideology from the federal government and banned it in the strongest manner possible.
0: Well, that's about critical race theory. Now, where did this come from? Why are we hearing about it now under Biden? It's been around for a while, this garbage. Well, it ties into the big lie about America owes African-Americans or black people reparations. It's all part and parcel of the same diseased thinking. But there's a thorny issue connected to both of these subjects. Did you know that during slavery, some free black people purchased other black people as a means to free family members? That's terrible. And let me be very clear, slavery is horrible. It's the worst thing you can do to a person. It's raping and taking away their their dignity and their humanity. But did you know that other blacks own slaves for the reason that whites owned slaves? To work on their farms or or their plantations? Did you know that there were black people who owned farms and plantations who purchased black slaves? Now, are descendants of these slaveholding black people eligible for and should they receive reparations? You better think about this very carefully. And by the way, if you're going to talk about slavery, which we're going to do in the next podcast, and slavery and reparations, incidentally, there are more slaves today than at any time in history. It's illegal, and it's called by different names, but slavery exists today in India, Pakistan, Nepal, Bhutan, Southeast Asia, Romania, Sudan, Haiti, Brazil, Latin America, etc., There are more slaves today than at any point in human history. It was reported in Time Magazine on January 18, 2010, as follows. Despite more than a dozen international conventions banning slavery in the past 150 years, there are more slaves today than at any point in human history, unquote. Let's go back to ancient times. Ancient cultures made slaves of those captured during wars in Egypt, Babylon, Persia, Greece, China, India, Africa, and Rome. Julius Caesar conquered Gaul. And he brought back so many Slavic peoples, so-called, Slavic peoples mean slave peoples, back into Rome that the term Slav took the connotation of permanent servant or slave. Did you know that over half of Rome's population were slaves? So be very careful with this reparations business, which we'll talk about on the next podcast, because it's far more complicated than the left-wing communists and their goon squads would have you believe. There are many thorny issues connected to this. But today let's talk about the tragedy of critical race theory, which is an attempt to deny the racial identity of white children in the United States of America today. It's a form of slavery that they're trying to produce right here in America. First, stripping away the dignity of a person because of their race. And then, on top of it all, making them apologize for being born white. Do you have any idea where this happened before? Well, you may not know it, but it happened in Nazi Germany. That's right. The Black Lives Matter and communists in America who are pushing critical race theory today are using a form of psychological warfare that was used by Hitler and his minions in Germany. In the early days of Hitler's reign in Germany, when Jews were still permitted to go to mixed schools, meaning schools where Germans went, they were forced to sit through race classes. Did you know this? Race consciousness classes in German where they were told that the Jews were inferior, meaning any Jew in the class was forced to get up and say he was an inferior person and guilty of crimes he had not committed. It's disgusting, right? And you let your children sit through that here in America? Shame on you. I wouldn't. I'd sue the school faster than you could say Jesse Jackson. My friends were living through very dangerous times. And while we are talking about so-called critical race theory, never forget what it really is. It's a form of indoctrination that strips your children of their dignity, makes them ashamed of their race, and then tries to break them and force them to apologize for having been born. Is this what you consider to be American? I hope not, because if you do, you know better than those conducting these racial hate seminars on your children.
1: michael savage a host like no other
0: you think it can't happen here a communist revolution cannot happen here it has happened here no they've not yet rounded up people and killed them as all successful left-wing revolutions all do even then it won't be a laughing matter would it you say it can't happen here you are violent radicals, communists burning down buildings in American cities even the other day in Portland, Oregon. You have liberal governors and mayors telling police to stand down while at the same time signing stricter and stricter gun control measures. Small businesses are being destroyed. Their market share effectively handed to multinational corporations that now openly endorse radical communist hate groups like Black Lives Matter. Big tech is erasing your presence online which is the primary conduit for conversation in 21st century America. Big Tech is erasing that conversation if they don't agree with it. Four men erasing your conversation. Disarmed, impoverished, and defenseless. It is but a small step for them to demand obedience to their every dictate or make you disappear completely, either literally or figuratively. It is happening here. And it is not beginning in schools, but it is happening in schools. Now, what I'd like to do for you is give you a a note of hope before you turn this podcast off. Where is there any hope of people willing to stand up to these Black Lives Matter brainwashing thugs and the left-wing brainwashing thugs? Strangely enough, it's coming from Asian Americans who are emerging as a strong voice against critical race theory. Right. You didn't know that. Who are they? Who are the Asians standing up to these communists? One group is called the Chinese American Citizens Alliance of Greater New York, which has delivered the most vigorous rejection of race theory yet. What did they call it? They called it a hateful divisive, manipulative fraud. Now this group is one of the oldest chapters of the Chinese American Citizens Alliance. It was founded in San Francisco in 1895 to respond to nationwide discrimination and violence against Chinese Americans. My friends, think about this. Who are these people? Here's an Asian group, a Chinese-American Asian group, standing up to the communists. And they're seeing what this is. They've been experiencing firsthand the hatred and prejudice of the communist left here in America. I know it's counterintuitive because you think Chinese, Chinese communism. But that's like saying... All Chinese are communists. The opposite is true in America. In America, Chinese Americans and all Asian Americans by and large, most Asian Americans by and large, believe in education, stable marriages, delayed gratification, hard work, and meritocracy. These are all called white values by the morons who run Black Lives Matter. They are the street thugs. Black Lives Matter is nothing but thuggery, criminality in my opinion. Do you know that critical race theory attacks all of these as white values and the people who practice them as acting white, can you believe how sick they are? Asian Americans know the opposite and they're resisting these critical race theory narratives. And by the way, activists in CRT have tried to throw out Asian Americans from the people of color category. I know, I know you're gagging on this. They said Asian Americans are not students of color. Because they just don't fit in. Now, even as victims of hate crimes, Asian Americans discredit CRT's assertion that racial prejudice only goes one way from white people to people of color. We have seen hate crimes against Asian Americans on the rise in this nation. Every news story tells you about hate crimes against Asian Americans. But they don't show you who's doing it. They would like you to believe it's white supremacists knocking old Asians to the ground. Well, who's actually doing it? In Oakland's Chinatown, a 28-year-old named Yaha Muslim, he shoved a 91-year-old Asian man to the pavement from behind and attacked two other Asian seniors. Yaha Muslim is not a white supremacist. Also in Oakland, in broad daylight, two young men, not white supremacists, attacked a 71-year-old Asian woman by knocking her to the ground before yanking a purse so hard the strap breaks off. Hmm. Was it a white supremacist who did that? no you'll never see pictures of those doing it critical race theory activists blame white nationalism for these hate crimes but all perpetrators in these cases were non-asian minorities do you understand what i'm saying to you it gets even worse communist agitators in uh, critical race theory claim that teaching math and science perpetuates white privilege i'm not making this stuff up it's crazy Math and science perpetuates white privilege. Apparently, the people in critical race theory are stupid, and they can't do math and science. In an elementary school in Cupertino, California, where 94% of the students are not white, a math teacher told third graders in a math class that they live in a white-dominated culture and had them rank themselves according to their privilege on an identity map. Who stood up to them? Not you chinese parents organized a protest and they demanded the school stop teaching racism to their children and start teaching math instead you hear this it goes on and i don't want to bore you with any more of this because what's happening here is right out of hitler's germany the only difference is in hitler's germany it was the jews who were targeted initially the jews who were put into special training classes Uh, on race you don't know this in the early days of Hitler the Jewish children who were still allowed to go to German schools had to listen to race theory in the schools did you get a chill up your spine yet of the wrong kind listen to my listen to me my friends this is getting very bad it's getting very bad and it's gonna get much much worse now I know this is depressing and you don't want to hear it and you want to hear me make sarcastic comments about liberals and laugh your way through the day, and I don't blame you. So let's do a little bit of that. Let's look at some of the news out there that may or may not be related to critical race theory, which is communism. Consider this like an audio news break. It begins, black Americans who shook down reparations and are getting $10 million in reparations from the city that they sued each black American, even though they weren't victims of any crime, are going to get $25,000 each as part of a $10 million settlement for reparations. And guess what the African-Americans or black Americans said? It's not enough. Are you listening? This is in Evanston, Illinois. Black Americans who will be given $25,000 each as part of the city's $10 million reparations program say it's not enough. Payouts are supposed to make amends for the racist housing policies in the city north of downtown Chicago. But activists say it's not enough. Evanston, Illinois, is the first U.S. city to distribute money meant to help compensate for a lack of generational wealth and systemic racism, whatever that means. Reverend Michael nabours who is the president of the Evanston NAACP, thinks 25000 per person is a drop in the bucket. Are you listening to this? Are you listening to me? How much could you do with $25,000? Do you understand what a racket is? Do you understand how Al Capone ran a protection racket? Where does money come from? The $10 million handout was raised from a 3% tax on the sale of recreational marijuana as it tries to address inequity in housing. The first phase gives $400,000 towards $25,000 grants to eligible recipients. What do you think they're going to do with the money? We'll have to wait and see. Now to qualify for this shakedown, residents must have lived in Evanston between the years 1919 and 1969, where they were discriminated against in terms of housing. But wait, there's a catch. Residents of this handout are also eligible if they're a direct descendant of someone who suffered housing discrimination. You get the picture. No matter what you give these shakedown artists, they're gonna say it's not enough.